Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 56. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. Wow. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. for He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, mm. and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So a lot happens in this passage. Hmm. The birth of Jesus is foretold. And, By you know, Gabriel again. He shows up. Gabriel's back. Come on. And uh, he shows to Mary. And so it's the birth of Jesus. Yahweh says is foretold. And, you know, it's not just left there, but it's, you know, very clearly outlined that um, he will be the king. Hmm. He, he's the long way to king. And Mary has just like this stunningly simple and humble and powerful response let it be to me according to your word behold i'm the servant of the lord let it be to me according to your word 
which is just a, a great prayer. <laughs> yeah. And a, a great word. And yeah, then absolutely. she goes and visits Elizabeth and Elizabeth, you know, John leaps in her womb and then she is filled with the Holy Spirit and, and you know, prophesies um, over Mary. Yeah. And then Mary responds with this beautiful song of praise, uh, which is, you know, traditionally known as the Magnificat. Mm. Um, and it, it's very, very Psalm-like. Mm. And so, you know, there's a lot of hints in this scripture that, uh, that Mary's a very righteous woman and, uh, she, mm. or, you know, young girl, like she, she is not old at all. And yet she seems to know the scriptures and, mm. you know, even more so she seems to really fear the Lord and love mm. the Lord. Yeah. And so what do you make of this passage, Barrett? Yeah. Yeah. No, all good stuff. Um, you know, one thing is when, uh, in verse 32, when, um, Gabriel is, is talking to Mary and he says, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. So, so these, this is, these two verses are hitting on lots of old Testament prophecy. And I kind of re- referenced yesterday, some of the old Testament prophecies that are leading up to this idea of the Messiah who was, who was to come. And so one thing that I would, I would invite, our, our listeners to do today is, is to try to imagine what Luke's original audience would have been reading. Um, so when they get a, a scroll of the gospel of Luke or, or something, and they're reading through this for, for, uh, Jewish people, this would have been like the most glaring two verses Mm. because it would have, it, it would have been a very bold claim that this one who is coming and is being born of Mary is to be this long-awaited Messiah. Yeah. And so it, it's always interesting to try to view scripture through fresh eyes. And one way to do that is like, how did the original, you know, the original Jewish people or the original audience kind of read that? And that would have been something that stuck out to them. And particularly, I think they w- it would have harkened back to, to 2 Samuel 7, Mm. Uh, which is, you know, God's promise to David saying that, you know, David, yeah. you're, yeah. you're, uh, of your kingdom, there will be no end. And he says, he's going to build a house for him, which leads into all this temple language. And, um, he'll give him rest from his enemies and, and, and all this type of stuff. And, you know, in fact, the, I mean, the interesting thing about Jesus coming is that they would have had ideas about the Messiah. The Jewish people at the time would have had ideas about the Messiah and would have interpreted that, you know, him defeating the Romans, having rest from their enemies and having this great nation of Israel. But Jesus did not come for those reasons. In fact, he came to defeat not the Romans, but the great enemy, mm-hmm. which is sin and the mm-hmm. curse of sin that that plagues us all. And, mm-hmm. you know, leads up to what you mentioned yesterday, the meaning of his name that Jesus mm-hmm. saves. Yeah. And yeah. so he came to save us from our sins. And I yeah. think that's what his messiahship is is pointing to. Yeah, you know we're we're all familiar with um, we're we're all familiar with. Sorry, I just totally lost my train of thought with amendments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, with amendments, and so we, you know, we have like the Constitution, and then we have all these amendments afterwards. Where basically, as long as America's been around in the form that it's in, you know, that we've kind of been tacking stuff on of like, okay, well, you know, free speech. And then, you know, voting rights and, you know, all this stuff that's kind of come along where we've realized the law that we have 
is not sufficient. And so we kind of tack onto it. I think it's easy for us to approach the New Testament with this amendment mentality. Mm. Like, okay, um, you know, the first, like the law of Moses, everything's kind of weird, but like, this is like the first amendment, you know, like yeah. this kind of clears it all up and corrects okay. it. That's an interesting it. way to talk about it. Yeah. And that's just not true. And, right. and I, I think the gospel authors are, that was so on their, the forefront of their minds. And, you mm. know, like Matthew, um, opens up with just like prophetic quote after prophetic quote, mm. you know, pulling from the the books of prophecy that we have in our Bibles. And, you know, just looking at this on uh, this passage on my computer, it's like just jumbled up with all these footnotes and cross references. Like, yeah. so to your point, like the amount of interconnection here that's going on and it's stuff that, you know, if you primarily know the New Testament and don't really know the Old Testament, then you might miss out on some of this. But for an audience who only had the Old Testament, right. and then, you know, Christ comes and dies and resurrects, and then these letters start to circulate, they they would read this. And, and you know, yeah. those who knew the scriptures, they would just like light up. And so yeah. I think to your point, it's so important to see like this is not some grand amendment to yeah. like God realized he didn't set up a good system the first time. Yeah. So he's going to do another one. But the gospel authors like Luke is saying like, this is it. Matthew is saying like, yeah, this is what it's all been about. And, and there's, there's this like enthusiasm and excitement that's like buried in the text just by how much they're drawing on those old Testament sources. Right. And showing that this is the fulfillment. This is the connection. And so I, I think that that is a really important thing to see here. And I think another thing, you know, just looking at the Magnificat and having mm -hmm. Isaiah fresh on my mind, humility is such a central, you know, it, it might be like the central characteristic of, you know, someone in the kingdom of God. Yeah. And, you know, I think we see that, like uh, I've been working on memorizing uh, the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes mm -hmm. and, you know, a little flex there, but yeah, keep going. Flex, I love it, dude. Flex, I love flex. it. That's awesome. Uh, but Jesus starts this, you know, the longest recorded sermon we have of his. Yeah. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm. There's a, this is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And it's just driven in over and over. And so, mm. you know, I, I think, and then we see this come to fruition. The people who are humble and who are looking mm. for God's Messiah yeah. in the day of Jesus, when they saw him, they latched on to him. But the people who were kind of, they were content with the pharisaical system and like the model that they had. Right. And there's sort of like servitude towards Rome, hoping that they could revolt out of it one day. Yeah. Those are the people who totally missed it. And so I just hope that we are the people who are humble, you know, and who, yeah. are, who are looking for the salvation of God. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely something that I was I was going to point out in the Magnificat, the same, same thing, how, um, you know, the proud are scattered in the thoughts of their hearts and he's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. And, mm. and that's, you know, Philippians two captures that I would say most beautifully uh, when Paul's talking about Jesus and how he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Mm -hmm. And then the result of that is that the father exalts him and gives him the name that's above every name. And so, and, and I, and I think that's true of us too, that God, um, uh, that he, what's the exact wording? That he, um, uh, what's with the exalted and then 
and then he, he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Yes, opposes yeah, yeah. the proud and gives grace to the humble. Um, and you know, it, it's just a theme that runs all through the Bible. And Jesus in his ministry, I mean, this is this is one thing that I, you know, we we served in an Islamic society for for a number of years, and and you know, Muhammad did not display how I think Muslims ought to live today. Mm-hmm. But Jesus like perfectly displays how we ought to live today in this self-sacrificial, yeah. humble, others-focused kind of way. Mm-hmm. And he, he just displays perfectly. And, and that's why, um, you know, I think he can say, uh, follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Like we, we are to follow after Jesus. And that yeah. doesn't mean just like coming to church on Sunday. That means like trying to take on the person of Jesus and and trying to carry on his attributes. And some of that is, you know, that he doesn't sit in front of his disciples and ask them to wash his feet, but he kneels down and he washes the feet of the disciples. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is what he came to do. He, he didn't, I I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give, give his life as a ransom for many. And so that is, that is the Jesus who has come. And so her, her prayer is, is, uh, is beautiful. It's also you know, kind of prophetic on yeah. her son's ministry that is going to be this, you know, this amazing example of uh, how we ought to live and and the work that, you know, only God through his spirit can actually do in us. Yep. Yeah, it's a great reminder today. You know, let our prayer on the table before God be, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be according, let it be to me according to your word. And um and to humble ourselves before God, knowing that He gives grace to the humble. So yeah. for Barrett Fisher, this is Will Carlisle, and we will see you tomorrow on our daily rhythm. Thanks for listening to our daily rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and our daily rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.